You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back to Black and Gold says, who says you can't enjoy a pizza party as an adult? Steve. Oh, I'm definitely all about a pizza party. But, you know... When you have a 12-year-old, he's really not interested in hanging out with you anymore. It's all about his buddy, so. <laughs> well, what is it? Is it just a friend pizza party, or is it like a like a, like a team? He's with a, a, a friend and their family, obviously. He, he, you know, they went out for uh, some pizza, even though he just had it yesterday. So, you know, he's he's getting his fix. So, yeah, back to black and gold. Seeing as Alvin may be starting the season, what is Marcus May looking like right now with his DUI thing? Um I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. It's it's kind of up in the air. We'd never really know what the NFL is thinking with his discipline because I don't think the NFL knows what the hell it's thinking with his discipline half the time. And I, yeah, I, I'd like to think that maybe it's it's a scenario where you could get out of the woods and and not have um, any issues. But stop. His his, ca- his case his hearing is is scheduled to start pretty soon, huh? Of uh, the DUI case, I believe it's this month. I'll look it up. Yeah, and I know that's a, an, a a different scenario also where there's the DUI involved and also supposedly le- also leaving the scene of the crime. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where there's not a lot of information out there. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to comment on it um, without knowing. Uh, and- the last thing I saw, like the last update I was able to find was June 1st, and you're kind of just – it's just one of those things where things get pushed back and things get pushed back. The great legal um, system in America. There was a question that I see, can't seem to find, and we won't pop it up, but I, I can relay it. Of all the games on the Saints' schedule this year, what would be the most impressive game for them to win? And I'm going to tell you mine, Steve, and uh, if you want to look up the schedule and kind of make your answer while I'm talking, because I always have a lot to say, um, that, that, that'll that work. So there's a lot of games that the Saints have to win in order to get to 10, 11 wins, which I think they're going to get to 10, maybe 11. And I think that's where you need to get. And as we saw last year to really be comfortable in the playoffs. Um, and I think if you get to 10 wins, you're with the, with the extra wild card, you're in there. Um, you know, so you have the Falcons week one, got to win that. You have the Bucks week two at home. I think that, I, I think that's a game the Saints lose to be completely honest with you. I think that this is the finally the game where Tom Brady is just like, okay, enough. Um, and, but I don't think that's, I think that's fine. I think you can lose that game and be comfortable with it. Um, the most impressive game the saints could win, I think would be week eight in Arizona. And the reason I say that, so John, or I'm sorry, Deandre Hopkins will be back. Um, he suspended the first six games, but he will be back for that game. And the reason it would be incredibly impressive for them to win this game, they have week four in London. 
They have week five at home against the Seahawks. Week six at home against the Bengals. Those are that's going to be an incredibly difficult game. And then they're playing the Cardinals on Thursday night. So you have a London trip. You don't have a week off after that London trip. So you're you're dealing with that rest issue. Then you have the Seahawks, a game you should win. Then you have the Bengals, a game you probably should lose based on what we know about the Bengals. And then you have a short week against the Cardinals, a team that is probably, you know, in the top five of the NFC, a team that's probably considered a favorite to to make some noise and probably get to maybe the NFC championship. I don't know if they're a favorite to get to the Super Bowl, but just with that's a schedule loss. Like there's always games throughout the season where it's a schedule loss. And that's what that is. In my opinion, immediately for me, it was right after that London game, just because it was, there's no break for you. You have to go right back and play, but it it's home to Seattle. And we know that Seattle team is, is not, anything impressive obviously they, there could still be a huge letdown there because that's sh- that's a really yeah that trip to london and back you know man, it's not oh easy. Man, you know that's we, can, we can talk about it all we want but like that's these are human beings dealing with jet lag we've all done it like it's not easy and I, i'm thankful that it is the seattle seahawks and it's not the week after where you get the Bengals coming in because that would obviously stand out for me but the um the the late the monday night game in tampa is going to be tough just because you're coming off you're at that end of the season too and it's at pittsburgh then you're home to la but then at san fran and that and at tampa at least you have the extra quote-unquote day of rest because you're playing monday night football from a sunday in san fran to monday tampa bay but that's that's going to be a tough one for them right there coming off the west coast going all the way to tampa the next week so you think the most impressive win would be at Tampa week 13, right before the bye too. Okay. See, I, the only reason I disagree with that is because you're in Tampa on national television. And the last two times the saints went to Tampa and played on national television, they won 38 to three or whatever. No, I'm sorry. They won, they won 38 to three and nine, nothing. So I, it's I hard for me to see that as impressive. I expect it now, but, but that stretch right there, that's 13 weeks of football with no break. Oh, I agree with that. I'm just saying the precedent has been set that the Saints are going to go to Tampa and dominate. So it's going to be hard. What would they have to do to impress at this point? Win 70 to nothing? I mean, you've already won 38 to 3. You shut out Tom Brady. It's hard for me to be like, oh, that's impressive now after what we've seen the last two years. I don't disagree with you in terms no, no, of the difficulty of going there and winning. But it's just the, the bizarre nature of what they've done in Tampa the last two years is kind of skewing it a little bit. Yeah, I guess for me, it's just being able to have that stamina, that durability, that uh, ability just to last 13 weeks and going into the bye week, a win on the road at a division opponent uh, just seems uh, like a beautiful way to wrap it up. I just hope they can pull that off because it, it's just that point of the schedule becomes really brutal for them. I don't disagree. Um, and I think that's going to be, you know, whether it's impressive or not, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of splitting hairs here because it's probably a game the saints need to win. Because like I said, I think they probably lose that week two game. I think that that's going to be the game where, you know, if Marcus may get suspended, right. If we do have to deal with that and the safeties aren't ready and you have some issues, uh, Mike T isn't quite up to speed yet. You know, I think he's going to take a couple of games to get back into, you know, the Mike T we remember, you know, maybe that's a game that they lose. And if that's the case, then that game is vital in, in terms of the division. Um, so I, I don't I don't disagree. With you. I'm giving you a hard time. I don't disagree with you. 
Um, speaking of a hard time, I know I said that I was going to stop talking about Ian Book, but uh, the bourbon has gotten the best of me. St. <laughs> John Butler, do you guys think Ian Book makes the active roster? Or do they use that slot for another position since they could use Taysom as an emergency QB behind Winston and Dalton? Bingo. Now, on the last podcast, I said I'm going to stop talking about Ian Book because I don't want to be mean to him. I don't have anything nice to say, and that's what my mom told me to do, and that's what I was going to do, but I'm not going to do it. Ian Book has not been very good. Ian Book, every time I see him touch the ball, it just feels like one read and take off. It feels like the, the clock has frozen, and there's an ice cube around Ian Book, and he's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll scramble in a drill where they can't tackle you, and it's infuriating it's like just make a decision and throw the ball and and i i like ian book i think that he was a sean payton guy and maybe with a couple more years of working with sean payton maybe with one more season of working with sean payton you could have had a scenario where he finds his way he looks like a guy who has no confidence he looks like a guy who you know, he had a he he just ended up in a scenario where it made sense, and then 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 now he's just lost. He's lost in the wilderness. He's not Pete Carmichael's guy. He was Sean's guy, and Sean's gone, and he's just trying to figure it out. And I, I don't think that he makes the roster. I think you, what you said at the end there is the safety net of having Taysom on the roster and knowing that in the nightmare scenario that both Jameis and Dalton go down he could play quarterback. Like whether you want him to be the, the quarterback or not, you know, and that you can win a game. You know, that he can win a game, right? Like there's value there. You know, everyone wants to just brush off, you know, what uh, six and two as a starter, seven and two as a starter. But if you end up in a scenario where he has to play, you at least feel like, okay, it's not the end of the world. We can find a way and, that means you don't have to keep three quarterbacks. You can you can be comfortable without him. And, and I just don't think he's done anywhere near enough to justify taking up a roster spot. I think he probably ends up on the practice squad. And like I said last week, he hasn't done anything to get to get claimed anywhere else. So he probably does end up on the practice squad. Yeah, and there, there's a good possibility that next season, we're waiting to see what Jameis Winston does this year, obviously. Um, you, you, Andy Dalton is your, is your veteran backup guy. He knows his role and you're hoping, uh, that book can be the future or maybe even a guy that can provide backup stuff. But we we're seeing that there, there's a good chance that none of these quarterbacks are on this roster this year, next year. I wouldn't say a good chance. Um, I think there's a fair chance that Andy Dalton is not on the roster next year. The question next year is not whether Jameis is on the roster. The question next year is whether you go into it thinking, uh, should we be looking for a young quarterback to to kind of – so it, it it's like you get into next year and what you saw this year does not inspire enough confidence and you want to use Jameis as a bridge to another player, um, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. See, but I, th- I think that answer – I don't think – you know, I'm not saying that's where we're going to end up, but I think that there's very – I don't think there's a scenario where Jameis is just gone. Um, because you don't have the replacement. You know, you if you had a young quarterback or that you were like, oh, okay, let's see what he has, then maybe you can make the argument. But there's no one, and you, maybe if you traded him. But if he plays poorly enough that you want to move on from him, then he's not going to be tradable. So I, I don't see that. But I don't think Ian Book's going to be that guy. And and 
I, I don't want to be mean to Ian, but I just think that's the reality of the situation. I, I don't think it's being mean at all. It's obviously just and what we've seen, and that, that's been the, the problem with him is just I, the, the inability to to make that decision and throw the ball, and, and he's just been taking – we've seen him tuck and run too much. This is me projecting my concern that they're going to actually make Ian Book available for an interview one of these days, and he's going to go up there and be like, you're that guy. <laughs> but uh, I'm just I'm just trying to be realistic. And I know a lot of people like Ian Book. I think that he he I give him all the credit in the world for going out there and taking that beating in week 16 of last year. We had no chance. And I don't think that's the reason that he lost his confidence. But, um, you know, he just doesn't have it. And uh, I don't want to be mean. It's never good when your first crying. pass is a pick. Yeah, I think that well, the issue for Ian is that he was a fourth round draft pick and he shouldn't have been. Um, and that, that makes you feel like he, he's got more invested in him than, than, the, than they do. And with a new coaching staff, I just don't think that's the case. Uh, Demetrius Ramsey has a question here. Has Jamison better on the short reads lately? I actually, I was talking about this, um, on Saturday and, and I have this in my notes from the day 10. I've been putting up notes every day. Um, go check them out on WWL.com. I try to be really detailed in there. So, um, hopefully they kind of answer a lot of these questions for you. What Jameis, Jameis today, there was two moments where you kind of saw Jameis kind of fighting against his own instincts. And his instincts are always try to make something happen down the field. Try to make something happen down the field. Um, but now he's in an offense with Alvin Kamara. And when the, something isn't available down the field, checking it down to Alvin Kamara is an elite option. It is not, it is not an afterthought in this offense. It is not an afterthought where you're like, okay, this, I don't have anything. Let's see what happens. It's, it's gotta be a faster reaction. It's gotta be nothing's there immediately. How can I get the ball to Alvin? How can I get the ball in Alvin's hands so that he can make something happen? And it's like, you can throw a pass negative two yards from the line of scrimmage. Like, obviously you don't want to throw a backwards pass, but like, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like the ball doesn't have to go across the line of scrimmage, but you get it in Alvin's hands and suddenly it's a 15, 20 yard gain. We all watch that. I've seen that run against the Packers at least 20 times. One of the most incredible plays I've ever seen from a running back. He never went faster than Eric McCoy and he got all the way to the end zone. Um, if you counted the air yards of that pass, I think it was like negative three yards. Like it, it literally was a pass to the boundary. It maybe went 30 yards, but it didn't go forward, but it was a touchdown pass for Drew Brees. And those are the passes that Jameis did not make last year outside of Seattle. In Seattle, he made a concerted effort. He, Alvin had 10 catches for 150 yards. I think he had like eight catches for a touchdown in the touchdown in the first half. And then they started bracketing Alvin. And, and when you are forcing a team to bracket your running back in the receiving game, you know how easy that makes life for you? In that game, if you go back and watch it, Jameis was taking shots to Kenny Stills, wide open. He was taking shots oh. to Kevin White. If they could catch, it would have <laughs> been great. They they can't catch, so it didn't work. But, like, that was the reason they were open, because you established Alvin in the first half of the game, and then they had nothing to cover these guys downfield. Now if you're talking Chris Olave, you're talking Jarvis Landry, you got Mike Thomas back. Yeah, those targets are a lot, a lot you know, they're catching it. <laughs> so to kind of get back to the question, um, today – he had that kind of reaction. He he went he he scanned downfield. Nothing was there. Got us Alvin Kamara in the flat. He did it twice, and I think that 
that is something that's being coached into him. It is not a natural reflex for him. It's just not, he's such a guy, such a great arm. He's just a great quarterback. He, he feels like he can always make something happen, but you can't forego Alvin Kamara just as a check down option. Because if you, if you are trade him because you, you have to use him if he's in the offense. Oh my God. You give me a heart attack saying, I'm not saying you should trade him. I'm just saying if you're not going to use him, then he makes no sense because he's that good of a receiver uh, out of that field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about Alvin Kamara and it's just the talent that clearly stands above the rest at practice. Uh, a, a guy that's just noticeable. Everything he does. Uh, Dennis Allen talked about how he also, you know, just practices the right way. And you want that from your star player because obviously everybody follows suit as well. You know what I mean? Everyone follows your top dog. And if you got, Alvin Kamara given a hundred percent every practice, then why shouldn't I kind of deal? And that burst is there. Uh, his speed, his, the, the vision on Kamara is something that I, you know, it, I joked about it earlier. Just, you can put him away now. I don't even need to see him in training camp practices anymore. I, I just wanted him ready to go week one against Atlanta. I'm sorry. I was looking for questions and I, I, I kind of tuned out there. I, I think you made a great point about Alvin. Any point about Alvin is great. One thing that you, so when you, if you get to watch a Saints practice, and I know the fans are probably bummed out. They didn't get to watch practice today. And I always get bummed out for the fans when, or uh, Saturday, I keep saying today. So keep in mind, we're recording this on Saturday. We went, I was out of practice today. Um, and there was thunderstorms and the saints facility is set up like a golf course where if there's thunder in the area, there's a horn that goes off and they all go inside. And I always get bummed because the fans are all in the stands. They got their, they got their helmets, they got their pens, they got their, you know, their jerseys, the balls to get signed and then the lightning and then they all go away and then they'll come back. And it's like, I always feel so bad uh, because they, all these kids, especially the kids, the kids are out there. It's just like, I, they just so desperately want an autograph yesterday. Uh, or so it's, Friday at practice, there was like, he couldn't have been older than seven. And uh, Paulson Adebo was standing uh, by the edge of the field. And this kid was there saying, yelling, Adebo, Adebo. And I just thought it was so funny. I was like, how many fan bases is there a seven-year-old in the crowd who knows the uh, third round pick from last year? <laughs> the, 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 the second string cornerback, right? right. With a, like, if he was yelling like, Alvin, you know, Camara. Jameis, you know, that would be one thing. Selling a Debo. And I just thought that was so cool that just this kid is just like, just so, I don't know. It's such a unique fan base and I love it so much. Um, but I don't even know where I was going with that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The, the love for football here is definitely clear. And I, I don't know, we both grew up in the Northeast. And for me, definitely, like, the, the f- football was important in the in pro football but college football definitely wasn't uh as intense over in new jersey <laughs> no 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 and like i grew up watching the giants and 
I remember going to Giants games and it was like that kind of that kind of is my my just growing up experience of watching football. And I thought that's what like all fan bases were like. The Giants had the most boring fan base in the world. That's why the Saints fan base is so cool, because it's just real people. You know, it's just it's just like people like the whistle monster lives a block away from me. <laughs> um, and it's like that's just that's so cool. And I've always appreciated that. Um so this is a funny question. Who do you guys think is the front runner for the third running back spot? Well, Kimo, have I got good news for you? I got a segment Go listen for you. to the podcast or just scroll back in this recording because we talk about this for like 20 minutes. You would be stunned at how long we've just ranted about the third string running back. So you got exactly what you're looking for. Go back in this recording or just listen to Inside Black and Gold when it posts uh, whenever, I, whenever I get around to editing this monstrosity of a recording. Um, and uh, you'll have a good time. Ian's going to love you sending him all these segments for sure. Yes, it's going to be a good time. Uh, and I mean, like, I, we could go do this all night. There's still 74 people in this chat. We're getting comments just left and right questions. I'm going to have to cut it off eventually because I got I'm going like I said, I'm going out of town. And I got to get ready. Let's let's answer one or two more questions and then we're going to call it again. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. I've had a lot of fun with this. I dare any NFL team to try to play man against us. That's Austin, Austin Klaska, who just, you know, he's the new Jerry JPG. Uh, he's here every time and he always has great, great insight. And I agree. You know, you're, you're going to have a hard time uh, locking up against if, if you have Mike Thomas, if you have Jarvis Landry in the slot, if you have Chris Olave uh, in the Z, and then if you have a, a an Adam Troutman that's that's showing he can just be a reliable pass catcher. And then you have Alvin coming out of the backfield. You know, Ian Rappaport was at Saints camp uh, on Friday. And I've said for a while that I think that the national perspective on this team is very, very, very far away from the local perspective on this team and what but they think the, the, the ceiling of this team is, right? And so Ian, Ian showed up at practice on Friday. And he went on the Pat McAfee show. And, you know, I'm not saying Ian had really low expectations for the Saints, but I think that just nationally there's been a, there's a really low expectations for what this team could do. And he went on Pat McAfee's show and he's like, yeah, this is a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a playoff team. Like, you can see it. You can see it. And whether they can be a Super Bowl contender, that's another question. But this is clearly a playoff team. And you see the weapons they have on offense. Everyone wants to say Jameis can't be a, can't be a quality quarterback. I mean, you don't need him to be a star. You just need him to be to, to play the right way. Trent Dilfer made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, who's the guy from the Bears? Um, I was going to say Brad Johnson made it to won a Super Brad Bowl. Brad Johnson made it with the Bucs. Who was that little short dude that made it with the Bears? Uh, Florida court. Rex Grossman, Rex Grossman made it to a yeah, goddamn go. Super Bowl. And he lost to Peyton Manning as he should have. Um, like, you don't need a perfect quarterback. And I think this team is good enough that, like, if Jameis can be a perfect quarterback, this is a Super Bowl team. I don't now, think you need to be. The Twitter sphere is going right now. Jeff Nowak is comparing Rex Grossman to Jameis Winston. That could happen. That could, <laughs> that could happen. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I'm just saying, like, like this roster is good enough that, like, you know, everyone – but my point is that people like to hate on Jameis Winston so much that they are – downgrading this team just because he's on it. And it's wild to me because I've seen Jameis. Jameis works as hard as anybody. And I think that, you know, especially coming off the knee injury, he's become even more of a maniacal worker. And 
uh, if if that's if you're if you're like uh, Colin Cowherd, he always like, oh, he's so goofy. Like, who who cares? You're only goofy if people don't believe in you. And right now, people believe in him on this team, and that's you can't be goofy in that scenario. Now, if he comes out and he starts eating W's and thinks that's serious, that's another yeah. question. But I I have faith in Jameis. I think Jameis is going to be good, and 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 whether he's great, I don't know. But I think he's going to be good enough for this team to be a playoff caliber team. You know, and and well, once you get there, then then you start to learn about a player. Jameis has never played in a playoff game. That is probably my biggest question about Jameis is how will he respond in a playoff atmosphere? And I think they're going to learn that answer this year, assuming he gets healthy or assuming he gets to the end of it healthy. And I think you would have learned last year if he had gotten to the end of the season healthy last year. And we just didn't get that chance. The the biggest thing with Jameis and for whatever reason (laughs) it is with him is the fact that it's the, the year he led the league in interceptions with 30, but the, the fact that he passed for, for 33 touchdowns and 5,000 plus yards gets overlooked and led the, he led the league in passing yards, uh, had 30 touchdowns, but he also led the league in interceptions and everyone wants to focus on the interceptions instead. Uh, and I mean, we, we've seen the no risk it, no biscuit, uh, no biscuit, no risk, whatever he says, uh, in Tampa Bay, the, the, the mentality of that passing attack, definitely was more aggressive and we've seen Jameis be a more reserved guy that is taking less chances now. And I think that that's obviously the key too, is not, not forcing it. And especially what you mentioned before with when you've got a guy like Alvin Kamara to check down to please throw it, throw it the negative one, negative two yards to Alvin and he'll make it the positive. Right. That, and that like, I, I, if, if I could make like a birthday wish, <laughs> To, to like Jameis, I just need Jameis. Like, I need you to just like, and he, and to his credit, he knows this. This is not something that he does not understand. Um, and you saw in like week six against the Seahawks, he threw to Alvin over and over and over again. And then he came back against the Bucks and he got hurt after the first quarter. So he never really had a chance to follow up on that. But I think if you got further in the season, like week four, the, the loss, the Giants, Alvin didn't catch a pass. Jameis knows that was a mistake. Like he knows that that was not the way that this offense should operate. Um, and so like to his credit, like he's, he's working on that and I think that he'll be better, but yeah, he, he's like, I think that there's going to be points in this season where you're like, okay, we need to, we need to remind you that Alvin Kamara is the best receiving back in the NFL bar none. And you need to get him the ball however you can. And, uh, one of the last things we'll get to, um, actually, okay. We have, we have this and then we have one more question and then we'll cut it off. Jameis is better than Stafford. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that just because we've seen Matthew Stafford for a long time. We've seen him. He's a veteran quarterback, right? Jameis has not been around that long. And, and I mean, after what you saw Matt Stafford do last season, I think that that is where you're not going to argue with the quality of Matt Stafford. But I put Jameis and Stafford in very similar, similar agree, yeah. like airs of like the quality of quarterback play. And if Matt Stafford can lead a quality team with an excellent defense to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, once he's surrounded with weapons in a way that he was not uh, over the last however many years in, in, De- in Detroit, then there's your argument right there for why Jameis is more than quality enough to get to the playoffs and potentially lead this team. Because I think that he does a lot of the same things Stafford does. I think that he is kind of that that really that gunslinger type quarterback who can do a lot of things, but has never really been on a roster that that suited his skill set. And then you put him in the right situation and you can make a run. And I think that 
you know, whether he's better than Stafford, it doesn't really matter. I think that quality wise and arm talent wise, they can both do a lot of the same things. With, with Stafford, though, I, I would I would definitely say I, I would probably have the edge over I would go with him over Jameis just by a, a, a slight hair. Just but I do have them. You've I would seen say him the same tier, tier, the same right? tier. To me, the biggest difference between Jameis and Stafford right now is that Matt Stafford has won playoff games, and we have not seen Jameis in that scenario. And not, it's not that he can't; he did it in the college. Like he's clearly he's clearly clutch in that scenario, but we just haven't seen him get get the chance to do it. And until you get there and get the chance to do it and show us that you are that clutch playoff guy, the way Joe Burrow did last year. You know, that that's it's gonna hold you a little bit below. Not that you can't be there, but we just, you know, not knowing is is not confirmation or negative. Um, with, with Burrow though, I don't know if there was ever a question. That dude we just knew he had it. Yeah. Okay. Last question, and then uh, yeah, yeah, we gotta go. We've been doing this for two and a half hours. I've had a lot of fun. Y'all have been great, but you know, I gotta gotta I gotta pack. This is Marcus Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan's cousin. Most people don't know that about Marcus. How do you think Juwan Johnson does in his second year as a tight end? Um, so there's a few things about Juwan Johnson. One, he's he's gotten a little thicker. He's got some junk in the trunk. He's up to two two uh, two fifty, which you know he converted from wide receiver as you as you uh, alluded to there. And I think it was a struggle for him at times trying to understand how to run routes in line, how to block, how to how to assert himself as a tight end and kind of use his body in the way he needs to to dominate um, as a pass catcher at the tight end position, because it's different. It's different than being a wide receiver. Um, and I think that he's, he's woken up a little bit in the second week of camp um, in mini camp in OTAs. It felt like he was trying to be a wide receiver um, in terms of how he was running routes. He was trying to catch stuff on the run. He was trying to finesse too much. And when you're a 250 pound guy, you just have to bully people. And, there was a play the other day where he went up and he just mossed Daniel Sorensen. And that to me is like an indicator that he's starting to understand how he needs to play, which is you're, you're a big dude. You're strong. They're not going to be able to move you. You just got to go through them. And if he can start doing that more often and more frequently, I think that he can be an impact. And I think he and Taysom Hill are going to have an interesting kind of battle in terms of who can assert themselves more at that move tight end position. I think that Lucas Kroll is trending the wrong direction. I said that last week. I don't, I think that he's a practice squad guy at this point. He might be able to build himself up in the preseason games and maybe make him a serious run at the roster. But I think Juwan has a chance. I think that, you know, they kept him around. They, they feel like he has value. And I think he's uh, the, the first week. I, if you asked me after OTAs and minicamp, I would have, I would have told you he's going to have a, a uphill battle to make the roster. But I think what I've seen from him in the last week specifically is really encouraged me in terms of what he can do the the thing is too with tight end though it's like how how many how, how many do you keep the, here for this team and I, I don't know with the addition to also now of of chris herndon at the tight end spot i just yep. think it's it gets a little harder for Juwan johnson obviously and uh, we mentioned it I, I think with the running back position is key for the preseason the tight the tight end position is going to be pretty big as well there's, there's a lot of names there, and uh, sadly, I tend to agree with you, too, with Lucas Kroll, uh, where there's a lot of hope with the undrafted free agent out of pit, but it just hasn't really – there hasn't been enough flashes even. Hasn't translated. He's had, some, he's had some technical issues. Coaches have been getting after him. 
Uh, I mean, I think he has a chance to develop. I just don't think that's not, that's not going to be this year. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's, that's not unusual for a UDFA, right? It's, it's, it's very rare for UDFA to show up and be an impact player in year one. You almost never see it. And I, I think of, cause of obviously his numbers in college and the, the size and the want at tight end, there was a lot of hope there from who there's people in the comments talking about Sarah McLaughlin. If you can hear that, I'm out of bourbon. So I think that means it's time to wrap this show up. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak. I'm alongside Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. I've had a really fun time talking to y'all. And uh, make sure to mash that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate that. If you could go over and subscribe on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you watch your podcast, listen to your podcast, that'd be great too because we we, we like y'all over there and the you know, subscriber numbers are important to us. They Down, help us download out. the Odyssey app. Eventually we'll be download there. Download the Odyssey app. Yeah, we've been having some trouble getting on the Odyssey app even though we work for Odyssey. We don't. It's, it's definitely not a thing that's been driving me nuts. Don't not worry about all. that. We're going to keep coming at you. Um, you know, I, as I said, I'm taking a couple days off. I'm getting some rest, but I'll be right back at it at Saints Camp later in the week. Steve's going to be out there Monday through Wednesday. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. I'll be going radio silent after today through Wednesday because I'll be up in Montana, hopefully without cell reception. But you can still follow me if you want at Jeff underscore Nowak. Make sure to check out WWL.com for the latest Saints coverage and all that jazz. Check out Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m on AM870 FM 105.3. And thanks so much for following along. Appreciate you folks. And we'll see talking to you soon. And definitely pregame coverage Saturday night.